You're listening to Essay Talk, your favorite local podcast for everything San Antonio. I'm your host and favorite financial professional, Zachary Espericueta. Today is Monday, November 7th. It is the day before Election Day. If you didn't already take advantage of early voting, uh, early voting ended this past Friday, so you can't vote today on Monday if you're listening on release day, but you can vote and it'll be the last opportunity to vote for this election cycle tomorrow, Tuesday, November 8th. Just remember it's election day. Again, I can't stress this enough. If you didn't get your early vote in Tuesday, tomorrow will be the last day to cast your vote. Make sure you do so. Let your voice be heard. All right. Just want to make sure and get that word out. Of course, um, if you have any questions about where I would literally just go to Google, type in where can I vote uh, on Election Day and you'll be able to find all the voting locations around San Antonio. Be aware of the time when the ballot, uh, when the locations, I should say, open when they close just to make sure. Take a break during your lunch break. Go get that vote in. But on this episode of SA Talk, I'll be interviewing Danielle Gunter, the executive director over at Texas Yes, formerly SA Yes, and we'll kind of get into that. Um, in fact, she started back at the organization back in 2015 when it still was San Antonio Yes. Uh, but again, it is now known as Texas Yes. We have that conversation. We find out why that name change took place a couple of years ago. Danielle has an awesome story. I consider myself fortunate that I was able to get an interview with her, to be honest with you. Um, I just want to say when I have the opportunity to interview an organization like Texas Yes, I, I really I'm chomping up the bit just because in my business, I help a lot of teachers. Um, I'm in schools a lot. You know, my, my parents were teachers. My brother's a teacher. I talk about, I come from a family of educators. I say it all the time, especially to my clients. And so whenever I get to speak to an organization that helps the students in turn helps the teachers, the educators, the schools, I love doing so. Lastly, before I get into my interview with Danielle, just want to say, I know it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode. We definitely have a couple more lined up. I'm thinking about making some changes in the content on some of the episodes. I'll probably get more into that either at the end of this episode or maybe even the next episode in a couple of weeks. So with that said, let's get right into the interview. All right, Danielle, well, welcome into SA Talk. Really excited to have you on the podcast and get to talk to you about the Texas Yes Project. Um, so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of your backstory. How did you get to this point in your career with the Texas Yes Project? Well, growing up, my father always um, instilled in both my brother and I that always to give back to the community that you live in. And so even as a small kid, he would take us to do different things. Um way back in the day in San Antonio, um, in the Cibolo area, there was a big flood and my dad at the time worked at the air force base and he loaded us all up in the truck. He had several employees and coworkers that were affected heavily. And he put the barbecue pit in the back of the pickup truck and we started grilling up hot dogs and handing out hot, hot dogs and sodas and red cross even got them from us. Cause they were there handing out sandwiches and they were like, we don't really want sandwiches. We'll take a hot, hot dog. So it just, ever since an early age, we just always were taught to give back to the community and growing up, um, in college, a lot of people join a sorority or fraternity to, you know, 
make friends or go to parties or whatever. I joined so that I could be the philanthropy chair and dictate where the money was going to go whenever we did fundraisers. And I still get so many jokes about it. Even still to this day, they, my um, sorority loves to tell that story, but it's always just been a passion of mine to be able to give back to others and to help others, whether it's through, um, you know, a health kind of industry uh, with a nonprofit organization, or it's with, you know, something like education, which is what I'm currently in. Um, but I've always just wanted to be able to kind of help make that difference, whether it be big or small. And so I've been in the nonprofit industry for um, over 15 years. I started out in the Coastal Bend area, uh, working for the Muscular Dystrophy Association and was managing the entire kind of coastal bend, um, all the small towns in between Corpus Christi, Kingsville, Alice, Gregory, Portland, all of that. And then- Did you do any work in Beeville, Texas? I did. I worked with the volunteer fire department there. So, um, and I really, I loved my time there. I spent about four years with the organization and then I moved to San Antonio. And when I moved up here, I knew I still wanted to work for an organization, but I knew nothing kind of about the San Antonio area, even though I was from the outskirts of it, I'd been away for so long. So I ended up working for the American Heart Association, spent almost five years there, um, loved it. I did their, their programs and their events there. And then really wanted to kind of take a step back in my personal life and be able to spend more time with my family. And I was approached by one of the co-founders of um, what used to be SAS, it's now Texas Yes, which I'll dive into that later. But he, we had worked together on a few projects and he asked if I was interested. And I had never actually worked in the education kind of side of a nonprofit organization. And it really intrigued me being a mom myself. I, you know, I jumped right in and said, yeah, definitely. I would love to. And so I really was um, able to work for a local organization first time ever. And I've been here almost eight years and I've loved it. And one of the really amazing things about working for this organization is I've really been able to see it grow tremendously in the last eight years. Um, prior to me coming on board, the Breaky family was running it. Uh, they are the other co-founders of the, uh, the nonprofit and they, you know, they did a couple of things um, here and there to fundraise. They had a lot of support from their vendors that they had through their uh, companies. And so when I came on board, it was really starting kind of from scratch, um, essentially. We have a very good board of directors that were able to bring in kind of their partners, but because I didn't have vendors, I don't own any companies, um, really kind of reaching out to the community and really explaining what we do and, and how we're impacting the future leaders of our communities. Because prior to that, we really, there wasn't, I guess, a necessary, necessary need to advertise or promote what was being done. It was very kind of more just a behind the scenes type of thing. So made a lot of growth, have expanded into new markets and have really just made a bigger impact in the last eight years that I've been here. Well, it's cool. I know it was like a little part that I picked out, but it was cool that you got to spend some time in Beeville. So that's where my family's from. I mentioned that a couple of times on this podcast, uh, but that's where most of my family is from. I'm born and raised right here in San Antonio, but parents, grandparents from Beeville, Texas. So uh, fully aware of the of the Coastal Bend area <laughs> of yeah. Texas. Yeah. But uh, to kind of dive deeper into the creation of the organization, you mentioned in your answer that you uh, that it used to be called SA. Yes. So can you kind of talk about that? What led to that creation? Um, was it just located here in San Antonio? Is that the reason it was called that? And uh, what was kind of the reason why? So 
uh, 25 years ago, we're actually celebrating our anniversary, um, so to speak, but 25 years ago, the Brakey family, they had owned several of the Taco Bells and KFCs um, here in San Antonio, and they had a business partner that owned Taco Bells and KFCs down in the Valley area. And they reached out to their uh, marketing agency, which was the PM group, Bob Wills, and said, hey, you know, we're really wanting to give back to the community. And, you know, we really believe that education is a hand up, not a hand out. Everybody should be, have the opportunity to have the tools that they need to be successful in school and really looking at what kind of focus they would have in terms of um, the studies show if you can start, you know, affecting change and giving kids that encouragement and the tools to succeed at an earlier age in their educational journey in the elementary age range, then they're more likely to succeed. It's when they've already start feeling defeated, not being able to be successful early on is where you start to see that lack of continuing their education. And so they decided, um, Bob Wills and the Brakey family are co-founders, and they decided, you know, that let's ensure that students have the necessities to be successful in the classroom. And what that looked like was being able to provide school supply kits that had all the basic supplies that they would need to start the school year off, you know, having the tools, being confident. Um, so it's pens and papers and folders and crayons and tissues and glue sticks and rulers, just really kind of all those necessities that they would need. Not necessarily having to have, you know, nowadays school supply lists are completely insane. Um, every time I get my daughters, I'm like, and what are we using this for? Because if you get sent home with it at the end of the year, I'm like, did we really need to buy 10 jumbo glue sticks? So it's interesting how much they've evolved. And so it really started off with being able to provide the basic school supplies. And then they kind of moved through over the years to also doing scholarships for um, high school students that were going to college in San Antonio. And they had to be within so many miles of one of their restaurants. So that was kind of the two areas that they really focused on. Occasionally, they would also give out funding to like the Boys and Girls Club um, to do a new computer lab or just kind of different things as they were approached. Then in 2014, uh, the family decided, the Brakey family really decided that they were going to retire and take a step back. That's where I come in, um, which I'm dating myself, but that's okay. And so, you know, they really said, we, the need is there. We want to continue this. How do we go? But with us kind of taking just a board position versus having to do the daily um, activities because they were so busy with their companies and organizations. And so I was brought in. And when I was brought in, we were doing, again, as I mentioned, the school supplies and the scholarships. The family recommended kind of breaking away from those scholarships because I don't own any restaurants that they would have been near colleges, but <laughs> really kind of taking a look and saying, where is it that, you know, the board was saying, where can we maximize our efforts? And so we continued to do the school supplies and said, let's just give out grants. And as we see the need is there, we'll give out funding for that based on elementary schools or youth focused organizations. And when I started, we were doing about 22,000 school supply kits here in San Antonio uh, this coming August, which I know sounds crazy because we just had August a few months ago, but across the state, we'll be doing um, over 85,000 school supply kits. Oh, wow. So it's been a huge, huge kind of jump just in that one program. And what started off in San Antonio, which was SAS, San Antonio Youth Educational Support Project, as over the years that I have been here, we kind of moved a little bit. We received funding to move into the Corpus area. So we started providing school supplies in a Corpus. Then we received funding to move into the Austin area. So we started providing supplies to Austin. 
And then about two years ago, we received funding to move to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so with all of these kind of markets going on, we really said, let's take a minute and rebrand to make it simple and easy for everybody. And so we rebranded to Texas Yes Project. The name Texas Yes Project still operates as a DBA under SAS because they hold our tax ID number. But if at any point somebody says, you know, I only care about what's going on in San Antonio, you can easily go to the Texas Yes Project website, select your community and look at anything that you want to look at specifically to that community. So you can still easily find, you know, SAS, CCS, Austin Yes, DFWS, but we really just wanted to make it easier for folks to, um, to find us and to really know that our services are expanding across the state. So as we also moved into all these markets with school supplies, we really took a look at what else is lacking in the communities that we're serving. You know, um, a lot of the school districts place a heavy, heavy emphasis on literacy, not just with the kids, but also with parents. And one of the big downfalls is that across the board and to no fault of the districts, but really just lack of funding, a lot of these school libraries you know, they're lucky if they get $500 a year. And if you've ever had to purchase books for anybody, $500 does not get you very far. And so with funding being cut to school libraries, we said, okay, well, what can we do to provide, you know, access to literacy year round, not just for students, but for parents or siblings or, you know, community members in general. And so in um, late 2019, we had the idea to have um, a little library, a free little library. You see, you've heard about them. They're becoming very trendy. So we installed one, our very first one in Harlandale District in March of 2020, early March 2020. And then COVID happened and the entire world shut down. And we were like, what else can we do? We want to do something more, especially here in San Antonio. The rates for domestic violence were going up so dramatically. And being that kids were on the receiving end of that, and, you know, our focus is trying to help these kids. So we transitioned our free little library to a little locker. And what that means is that we started providing arts and crafts and outdoor activities to that little locker so that they could go outside and they could easily have access to go on the way to school. You know, kids that are within walking distance to school, they can walk. They don't need a parent to take them. They can go get an outdoor activity, get an arts or crafts, and maybe that takes them away from a situation that they shouldn't be in, even if it's just for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Maybe it takes them outside. It definitely helps reduce screen time, which we're very excited about as well. And so it's really transitioning that from providing just books to now providing arts and crafts and outdoor activities during those extended breaks. So spring break, summertime, Christmas break, our little lockers have books that are age appropriate. So if they're in front of a parent resource center, they'll have books for parents on like how to talk to your teen about social media, um, how to cook healthy meals, but then they'll also have books for high school students um, and middle school and elementary and even younger than elementary age. So it's really being able to be helpful, whereas our middle school lockers, they're tailored towards middle schools. And even though they may think that they're too cool for arts and crafts, they love them. We get such great feedback about it. Um, and so we've really kind of expanded that program. And for since 2020, um, 2020, when we opened our very first one, we now, um, as of the end of October, so Monday, we actually now have 22 little lockers across three of our markets. The only one that does not have a locker in it yet is Dallas. We're working on that. 
but we're very excited to report that we've received such great feedback and such positive reinforcement from the schools that we have an entire wait list uh, in, in all of our markets of schools saying, hey, how do we get a free little locker? How can we make this happen? We've had community members call us and they're like, how do we get one in our neighborhood? How do we get one at a park? Um, so we're very excited. And we definitely partner with them to be able to say, okay, this is kind of the avenue we took, or we can help manage it. We um, restock those lockers every two to three months based on needs. Sometimes the schools are really good about saying, hey, we've got this covered. We're going to restock them. And then we'll just bring out the arts and crafts during those extended breaks. Other times we can't keep them stocked fast enough. The kids are just reading like crazy. And every time that we unveil one, we invite the kids to come out from the school, see it. You know, we ask them like, hey, this is, this is, you know, take pride in this. This belongs to your school and they take care of it. Um, I mean, knock on wood, we have not had any major damage or anything, but the kids get really excited because they'll ask us, well, what books are in there? And I feel super cool that I know all the latest books that kids are reading right now. And so, you know, we'll start naming off some titles and they'll raise their hands and like, oh, I want that one. I want that one. Can I take that one home today? And we're like, yeah, definitely go for it. And so we're very excited that not only is the district behind it and the teachers get excited about it, but the kids are excited about it because if they're excited, they're going to participate in it. They're going to read the books and they're going to be the ones that are continuing their journey and hopefully helping kind of spread that mission along with their parents or aunts, uncles, grandparents, and anybody else who might kind of have a little roadblock with their literacy. How big are those, are those little lockers? So, I mean, there's two shelves inside of them and we fit anywhere from 40 to 60 books. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty big. They're on a post. More like a big locker. (laughs) One of the big lockers. And so it's got two shelves in there and we jam, jam them packed with books. Um, We usually, when we first install them, we put a sanitizer on there as well. um, Just so that way we can make sure that everybody's being healthy and smart. Cause even during you know, the pandemic that happened, we were still installing little lockers. We were still, you know, maintaining them because that was such an important component for a lot of these students is being able to have that access. Um, So that was, you know, a program that we established in 2020. And then just recently, also in the last two years, we've really been able to amp up our grants. And so we have two different grants. We have our yes grants, which focus on schools that may need to update a computer lab purchase new library books. Um, Maybe they have just equipment that's outdated or they're trying to start a new, you know, program and they might need some additional equipment for that program or classroom. And then we have our STEAM grants. Used to be STEM. Now we're adding in that art component to change them into STEAM. And those are really focused around exactly what it's supposed to be, you know, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. And we really open up the arts to be an interpretation. It could be music. It could be um, actual art where you're, you know, you're physically doing painting or whatever, sculpting, um, you know, maybe it's music. And so, you know, with that, I mean, just in the last two years, we've given out over $360,000, which has just been phenomenal. It's been really exciting to hear the feedback from some of these kids that have received a grant. Um, one that I always just absolutely love to, sh- to talk about and share is that um, Palo Alto Elementary in South San ISD, they applied for a grant to purchase some new equipment for their news team, an elementary school that has a news team. It's crazy. They're the Ram Action News. And so we got to go visit the school after they got their new equipment and they set it all up. 
but it allows the kids, you know, when we did a little locker unveiling there, they came out with their news team. They did interviews of students, of teachers, of us. And then they invited us to come take a look at their studio. And then they did an interview with me. And I do interviews, you know, all the time. I have never been more nervous in my life standing in front of that <laughs> green screen, knowing that there's, you know, 400 kids that are going to be judging me right now. Um, and so it was just kind of crazy, but it was really cool. And when you talk to those kids and you said, you know, what is it that you guys want to do when you grow up? One of them wanted to be a cardiologist. I was like, I mean, when I was in elementary school, I didn't even probably know the word cardiologist, but okay. You know, another one wanted to work in news production. And I said, well, that's great that you have this opportunity opportunity now to start learning these skills and to continue that one wanted to be a landscape design, um, a landscape designer. And I was like, again, things that I would have never guessed in elementary school. Um, so it was just really, really cool to talk to the students and asking them, you know, like, why did you join this club specifically? What do you love about it? And it was really great seeing not just being able to say, okay, here's a check, you know, do what you want with it, but seeing it in action and seeing how those kids reacted to it and how excited they were for it. So that was a really cool thing. Um, and even, I mean, October was a big month for us. We, you know, opened up four more little lockers and then we just awarded $167,000 in grants. And so it's been a really cool month for us to kind of see all of these different things happening and taking place. Um, and really, you know, it might seem like it's not a lot, those three programs that we have, but it definitely is year round efforts. And we're always looking at, you know, what is the need that we can help with in the community, especially around children. And so again, I anticipate that we're going to continue to grow our programs and continue to be able to help more kids throughout the communities that we serve. Well, speaking along those lines of expanding uh, the organization as a whole, you, you've talked about how it's already expanded um, and it shows in the name change going from SAES to Texas Yes, of course. Um, something I think about is, I, you know, I look at the communities that it's in, like Corpus Christi, Austin, Dallas. Um, something that I think about, too, especially because my family's from Beeville, I make the trek down 181 all the time. I pass through towns like Poth, Kennedy, Carn City, you know, places like that, you know. Are there organizations like Texas Yes in those small rural communities or has Texas Yes had the discussions or maybe possible future plans about helping those communities as well um, with, with resources like this? So it's always, so there's two parts that answer. Not one, that it's easy. <laughs> yeah. One is funding. Funding is always a critical thing. We can never really move into the market unless we know we have a couple of years of funding lined up because I would hate to start distributing into one of those outer markets. And then suddenly we're like, oh, we only had funding for a year. Sorry. You know, we could only help. And so we've really been looking at expanding. So for example, in our Corpus market, we're looking at taking on another district besides Corpus Christi ISD. And it's going to be one of the outer markets that we know that there is a heavy Hispanic population that um, a lot of the schools that we, well, I'm sorry, the schools that we work with for our school supply program, they have to be 80% or higher for Title I status. So when you start looking around the Coastal Bend area, I mean, you can, it's hard to find one that's below 90%. Um, they're all honestly 90, uh, majority of them are 100%. And so we really want to start focusing some of our efforts and expanding our services into some of those outer areas as well and being able to help support them. Um, same with Austin. We're, I, we have a team going up our, that's in charge of our Austin market tomorrow. And they're going to be going up to start reaching out to some of these outer markets. Um, there are different organizations throughout each city that will kind of do something similar to what we do with our school supplies. But the difference that really sets us apart from other organizations is that during our school supplies, we don't just drop off school supplies and say, OK, bye, see you later. Hopefully they make it to the kids. We physically 
drop the supplies. I'm talking myself, my team, our volunteers. We physically go into these schools with huge box trucks. We're unloading the supplies at the schools. And then we come back a week later and we physically distribute them to the students. Every student, kinder through fifth grade, because very vital that they understand that somebody else in the community is behind them, that we're supporting them, that we're rooting for them to be successful, and that we're here to watch them continue that educational journey. Because if they just see the same faces over and over, their parents or guardians and their teachers, that's all they're ever going to know. And we want them to know that there are other organizations that are rooting for them to be successful. So we'll go back that first week of school and we physically hand them again, kinder through fifth grade, everybody gets the same box. Nobody's singled out that they can't afford supplies. Um, and it, we bring in costume characters and we make it just really fun for them. And we do that for this past August, we were in 144 schools across the entire state. It is very exhausting, but if you talk to any of my staff or any of the volunteers that come out, the number one thing that they're going to tell you is that is incredibly rewarding. It is so awesome to see these kids get excited that we're there. Some of them we've seen year after year, which is crazy. And they'll tell you the same joke every year. Um, but it's really just an opportunity to say, hey, we're here. We support you. Let's let's see this happen. And so, for example, the Crystal Bend, I know United Way, they give out school supplies along with Salvation Army, but it's a very small. There's, as of now, there's nobody to date that does what we do in this mass quantity. Um, there's an organization in Austin called For the Children where they support Austin ISD, but only, you know, and maybe a couple little schools here and there, but it's it's not the mag the magnitude of what we're doing. And I'm sure Dallas has some as well, but you know, it was interesting when we were approached about going into Dallas, um, I thought for sure, because of all the companies there and all the organizations that they just have all this money just flowing everywhere and some areas. Yes, but the money's not always, people don't think that school supplies are what's lacking and that the students need school supplies. And we have an, we have a wait list in all of our districts. Um, in every market, we have other organizations that call us constantly, nonprofits um, or other organizations that work with children that are like, how can we get on the list? Because there's just not enough. And so we're, we're doing our um, organizations outside of the schools. So, you know, we work with a couple here in San Antonio, SA Threads and Morningside Ministries, and then the Salvation Army in San Antonio and Corpus and in McAllen. And so Child Safe is another one we help supply their area. So it's definitely an an ongoing problem. We, I mean, we start getting calls in February for August of next year. So it's a huge, huge um, undertaking to start kind of going into all these little places, but it's something that we definitely want to do. We always want to continue to grow. And so my team, um, when I started here, it was myself and then one other employee that I was able to hire in. And now we've actually expanded. We're a team of five. And now that we have um, our full staff, we're really able to start focusing more on our outer markets and being able to bring in those additional donors so that we can start expanding to some of these other schools. But it's also, you would not believe it, but sometimes it's very hard to get into these schools. And again, I get it. They want to be protective of, you know, partnerships and who they partner with and making sure that, again, it's not a one-time thing and that they're going to continue to have that support. And so that's what we've slowly been working on is expanding. Um, in all of our markets, we're adding new districts in, in August of 23. So we're excited about that because we are growing, but it's a, it's a slow growth. It is, um, but that's okay. It's growth and we'll take it because it definitely means that we're helping more kids. 
Definitely. And, and I'm sure that it takes time. <laughs> it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of funding. Um, you know, Danielle, in interviewing, I've, I've thankfully had the pleasure of interviewing a ton of leaders in the nonprofit sector here in San Antonio. Um, amazing people. Something I've, I've learned during my interviews and some of the leaders have brought this up. Um, sometimes nonprofits work in silos. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of names, a couple of organizations, Salvation Army, uh, United Way, uh, Child do you Save, work, Child Save, do you, you know, do you work together? How does that work? And, then, you know, for, for you guys, are you working together with those organizations? Um, how is how is that? So with some of the organizations that I mentioned, such as Salvation Army, um, United Way, um, Child Safe, so they will reach, for example, Child Safe and Salvation Army every year starting um, in January. We partner with them because the work that some of these organizations do that are really affecting a lot of the families, regardless if they're in the districts that we already serve, but for exa- a great example, I'm going to use Child Safe. We've been partnering with them since 2015. And so every August we provide them supplies for their um, school supplies for their store. So when they have families coming in or children coming in that are emergency situations and they need to get them ready to go for school, they're able to serve more than 200 kids during the month of August with the supplies that we're able to provide. And so it's a great partnership. We don't ask for anything in return. It's just, hey, let us know what you need you know, give us your wish list. We're going to fulfill as much as we can and just being able to have those supplies. So it's one less thing that they have to worry about. Same with Salvation Army. Every year they do back to school drives within their individual markets. And so we actually provide to them backpacks and the school supplies that they would need to help serve anywhere from 100 to 200 families, depending on that market. Um, Same with SA Threads. They help kids who are in homeless or in transitioning or being, you know, removed from a situation suddenly. And so by being able to provide one less thing for them to worry about, such as how am I going to get my backpack? How am I going to get my school supplies? Um, it's really beneficial to be able to say, Hey, let's partner. Let's take this one other thing off of your plate. And it's the same. We've also partnered with the Brighton center here in San Antonio. Um, because again, we all have the same goal. We all want to work with kids. We all want to help them in whatever situation they may be in. And so if we're able to help kind of ease that burden and say, Hey, we'll take care of the school supplies. You guys can handle therapy or clothes or, you know, providing safe, um, safe housing for them, whatever that case would be. We're just trying to help do our part to ensure that, they don't lack anything. Um, there's also several hospitals that we work with in Corpus and in um, San Antonio where we provide school supplies for long-term um, patients that are there. So, cause again, you know, if the child is in the hospital for six months out of the year, the last thing that the parents are want to have to worry about is, oh yeah, we need notebook paper. We need pens. We need crayons so they can get their work done. So by us being able to say, Hey, we're going to send you 600 kits use them throughout the year, let us know when you need more. It really, again, is taking that additional burden off the parents, off the hospital staff, off the you know teachers ensuring that, okay, do they have the supplies that they need? So we're definitely excited about that too. But, you know, and, it, and it's always been my philosophy from the beginning. There are so many great organizations here in San Antonio and so many, you know, across the state that are helping these children. And we just want to be able to, um, again, we all have the same common goal, help as many kids as possible. So it's just being able to help alleviate one piece of what could potentially be a burden for those kids. Right. And I, I think it's, this is more me speaking to the listeners. I, I know you know this, but, you know, it, it can be surprising in a good way to people 
once they realize that when you work together with other organizations or just other people, other businesses that have that same common goal of wanting to help the community, whatever community it is they're serving, it, it can come as a surprise when you realize that when you come together, you're able to serve them better. You know, and it, it's something that I've realized in my time as at, in business, in my own business as a financial advisor. I also help with Medicare when it comes to my my seniors co- clients. And, you know, something I, I think about um, I've realized over the last couple of years is, you know, sometimes I partner up with Saha. Uh, well, now it's uh, Opportunity Home, but it used to be called Saha. And, you know, sometimes what I could do is I could go out to a Saha community and maybe host a bingo. Right. And that's something I'm able to do out of my own pocket. And that's very little. Right. Or if I'm doing like a little Halloween theme party, for example, there's only so much I can provide out mm-hmm. of my own pocket. But when I team up and I've done this recently, when I team up with, let's say, a medical provider and Saha and myself and, you know, another provider, like maybe uh, they provide like hospice services and we come all together as four different entities to help put on a party for a Saha community. Well, then now you have a real party, you know, now you have decorations and you have music and you have prizes and games and you're able to provide a much better experience, you know, and, and again, that shows I got again, totally different industry here, but it just shows that when you come together, you're able to provide a better experience for the end user, in this case, a client, you know, an elderly. So it's like, I, I think of that same, um, I think of that same idea applying in the nonprofit world or wherever, whether you're serving students or families, people, it's like, if you can come together with other organizations who have that same common goal of helping that market, then it, it ends up being a much better experience for them. So that's something I think about a lot. I completely um, agree. And it's interesting you say, um, Saha, cause they reached out to us this year, several of their areas and said, Hey, you know, we want to do something for our residents. And I was like, great. We have extra school supply kits. If you can come to the warehouse, pick them up, we will provide them. So that was something that again was new this year. And, and you, again, you would think there are so many people that are doing, you know, donation drives for school supplies and, and different things throughout the entire year. And it's not enough. It's not enough, especially here in San Antonio, the need is so huge. And so by us, you know, expanding into helping another district this year, come August, we're excited about that. We have a long wait list of schools that want little lockers. And so, you know, again, we're going to continue to do what we can do to help these kids. And as you said, I think it just really makes a bigger impact the more that you can partner with other organizations. So Right. I appreciate you doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you mentioned, Danielle, earlier in the interview that uh, the pandemic provided an opportunity for you guys to kind of pivot. Um, Mm -hmm. You're already beginning to put out the little libraries and that kind of turned into the little or big locker. (laughs) Um, Any other challenges that the pandemic presented to your organization or maybe any changes that came as a result? You know, we were we were very fortunate that we are one of the few organizations that we we only had three staff members at the time, including myself. But we didn't have to let anybody go because we were still extremely busy. The need for school supplies was still there. It's just transitioned from instead of at the school, they needed at home um, because they were doing remote learning. And so, really working with the parents and kind of, or not the parents, sorry, with the school district and shifting that 
so that when those parents came to do the drive-by to get their computers or whatever they needed from the schools, we would have those supplies ready and available to them. We still serviced all of our communities. We did that first um, August after the pandemic, we slightly reduced our numbers, but we're back up stronger than ever, um, still serving even more students in each of our, our markets and really just been fortunate that it did not slow us down one bit. We just got a little bit more creative um, and we're very blessed that all of our sponsors, because the week that it shut down in San Antonio was the week of our big, our largest fundraiser. And so two days prior to it happening is when the mayor was like, you know, no, no large gatherings, nothing. And so um, all of our sponsors were very supportive and said, Hey, keep the money, you know, we'll, we'll see you next year. Um, and we'll just kind of see how things go. And so so we had all these auction items. We were like, you know what? We're doing an online auction. This is how it's all going to roll into our summer campaign and it'll be fine. And so we've been very blessed, very fortunate that we've continued to move forward and, you know, come back even stronger now. And we haven't been hindered by anything. We just kind of shifted our mindset a little bit. Um, we had done a summer campaign called Drive Away for Education, where we partner with Ansara. They give somebody a brand new truck. And it used to just be just the raffle. Well, because of 2020 uh, or 2020, however you want to say it, uh, we shifted now. It's a raffle and an online auction. And that's something that we've kept going with since then, just to kind of because we've gotten such positive feedback about it. So we've kind of shifted, expanded, continue to grow in that aspect. But we've been very, very fortunate um, that we have not had to let any staff go. We've continued our programs and services. And even during, you know, 2021, I mean, we were popping up little lockers left and right just because we were getting the funding for them. We had the need was there. And so we're excited that we have not slowed down one bit. <laughs> so uh, how, how can people in the community help Texas Yes? So there's several ways. Um, we're always looking for volunteers because we have different events throughout the year. So you can always go at any point. Go to, If you go to Texas Yes Project, org. Um, you can always find information about volunteer opportunities. If community members want to host book drives or, you know, organizations want to host book drives, always in need of books. Those 22 little lockers take up. And the more we have, the more often we're able to restock and just be out there with the kids. Um, and so we're always looking for people to host book drives. If they want to be a sponsor of an event, again, you can always go to our website to find all the latest and greatest information. Um, and we just recently got an Instagram page. I'm learning all about all the fun <laughs> things I can do on there, making videos. So you can always look for us on Instagram too at Texas Yes Project. And it's really just the best way to stay up to date. We've got a newsletter that comes out quarterly that has volunteer opportunities, upcoming events, um, and really just what we're all about. But, you know, the one really cool thing that we've always harped on is that for every $5 that somebody donates, or, I'm sorry, not $5, for every $25 that somebody donates, you're able to help five kids receive a free school supply kit. So when you think about the impact that even just $5 can make, um, you're helping somebody ensure that they have a school supply kit that they can start the school year off right, having the right tools, feeling confident and prepared to succeed for that school year. Last question I'm going to leave you with, and then we'll kind of wrap up the interview. You know, as a leader in the nonprofit space, um, what what kind of legacy do you want to leave like there at Texas? Yes, I know that can kind of be a loaded question, but you know, what? How do you just want to be remembered there at Texas? Yes. You know, I think the biggest thing that and I know this sounds crazy, but my birthday's in January. And so every year I always think about like, gosh, if something were to happen tomorrow, like what, 
what have I done? What is the impact I've made over the last year in order for people to be like, wow, she really changed the world or she really changed her community, whatever it was. And honestly, it's just knowing that we have grown so much and we get to help so many kids. Um, that's what really excites me. You know, I want to, I want to know that whenever my time comes and I leave the organization or anything of that nature, or I retire, who knows? Um, but that I made the difference in kids lives that I encourage somebody to continue their literacy journey. I'm a huge bookworm. I'm a part of a book club. I try to read at least 50 books a year. I'm up to 38 right now. So I'm a little behind, but you know, I want kids to be, to say, wow, I remember Texas. Yes. They gave me school supplies when I was in elementary school. I remember they had a little locker or, Hey, our school received funding. And because of that, our kids now have access to a computer lab, um, which has been the case. And so just knowing that I've made that impact and I've been a part of it, I should say, because it's not just me, it's our donors, it's our volunteers, it's our sponsors, it's everybody who supports our mission and believes in what we do. Um, I've, I've played a part in that. So I look back and I'm like, I've helped build a computer lab at Palo Alto elementary. I helped the boys and girls club get new computer equipment. I helped Seguin, um, not Seguin, I'm sorry, uh, a school in Dallas start a new ceramics class, um, for a high school because they are really passionate about getting, um, a new art activity at that high school. You know, all of these things, um, the fact that these kids light up when I tell them that I have goosebumps horror lands in the little lockers or dork diaries, um, seeing that and seeing them get excited is really what excites me and lets me know that I'm making that difference in that community. Um, if you ever, ever meet my parents, my dad will never stop bragging about me because he's so incredibly proud of the fact that I've been in the nonprofit industry and, you know, my kid, my oldest daughter, she's eight. She knows what I do. She gets very excited telling people about what I do and how I help others. And it's really nice knowing that my kids see it. My family understands what I do and that I'm getting to play a small part in these kids' lives. Even if I only see them once a year, I'm getting to be able to say, hey, I made a difference. You're using computer equipment that I help fundraise for so that you could get a grant. Um, so that's just really kind of, I think I've already made that lasting impact. Um, at least I feel like I have, and I just hope to continue to grow that. I really do because it's so important what we do here as an organization. Again, to some people, it may not seem like a lot. We're not raising millions of dollars. We're not helping millions of kids, not yet. But I think that, you know, we definitely have the potential to get there and to continue to grow. And again, our biggest focus is always just ensuring that kids have what they need to be successful in the classroom. Um, you know, that's the biggest key is getting them engaged in the classroom, having them feel prepared so that they will continue their journey. Well, Danielle, I, I appreciate you joining me on Essay Talk and, and sharing more about the Texas Yes Project and, and what you've done there at the organization. Um, as, as we wrap up this podcast, this is kind of, you know, your chance to fill in the listeners a little more about where they can follow Texas Yes, find out more information, maybe volunteer possibly, right, donate, um, just kind of your your platform here to, to plug in Texas Yes, where they can keep following the organization um, and any other information you want to share to the listeners. So again, I encourage you to follow us um, on Instagram. If you have Instagram at Texas Yes Project, you can find us on Facebook, um, but also our website. Our website is our main portal of information. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can find volunteer opportunities, whatever the case may be, whatever your interest is. If you're like, I don't, I don't have time to volunteer, I will 
gladly write you guys a check. I will make a credit card donation. You can do all of that um, from our website. We gladly accept it. Um, and just know that any gift that's made, whether it's a gift of time or a gift of uh, monetary, it's making an impact on the future leaders of our communities. And that's something that is huge and it's going to make a difference and it's going to encourage these kids. And so I encourage you go to our website, check it out. Um, and again, whether it's monetary or time, get involved because having external partners in the community, um, letting these kids know that we're behind them hundred percent and supporting them is what's going to make the huge difference for their success. And that, that website's texasyesproject.org. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Okay. Well, Danielle, again, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate our discussion today. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, I'll get to hear a lot more of them. So that's going to wrap up another episode of SA Talk. Thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. Also, special thank you to Danielle for joining me on this episode of SA Talk. Really appreciated our conversation. Um, for those who are new to the podcast, I do ask that you please rate and review, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Really helps um, shoot the podcast up on the charts, make sure it gets uh, more visible on those podcasting platforms. I also encourage you to keep up with the podcast on social media, even though the content has been lacking a little bit, but just want to make sure you are following for any updates or news for the podcast. Make sure you can follow us at SAPod Network on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Lastly, if you are a business owner and you're looking to advertise with the podcast, please reach out to me directly. You can reach me at zespediqueta. That's zespediqueta at outlook.com. Thank you all again. Have a wonderful week. See you again in a couple of weeks and via Viva San Antonio.